Welcome to KPOV's Critical Conversations podcast, dedicated to featuring unique perspectives, challenging mundane thought, and questioning the norm. Listen at kpov.org, on YouTube, or on your favorite podcast app. Well, I'm Jackie Elliott, here with my co-host, Carolyn Eske, and today, City Councilor Mike Riley and City Planner Brianne Gale join us for the Bend City Report, which happens once a month, usually on the third Friday. Growth is the topic that we is discussed at every brewery, every coffee table. Cocktail party. Everywhere, yeah, Yeah, the growth of of Ben. So uh, welcome to The Point, Mike Riley and Brianne Gale. Thanks for having us. So since we're going to talk about growth, Mike, I'm real curious. uh, Where is Ben growing now? Well, we thought it would be great to just start off with kind of some examples of that. And um, really, there's two things that are happening. We did some planning a few years ago around our urban growth boundary, um, which is something required under state law where we decide what part of a community and cities where we're going to have urbanized growth. And then everything outside that, basically, we can't have that same scale of growth to protect forest and farmland. That's a pretty simple overview. But um, <clears throat> And so we expanded the urban growth boundary in 2016 a bit, um, and we targeted some areas for um, what were called expansion areas, the areas that were going to grow on the edges. But there's also a lot of growth happening in the core. So I thought we would talk about two, exa- two examples to kind of get at that, the edges and the core. Um, and the edges, there's a development that many people may have seen if you've been down in the southeast part of town at all on 27th Street. Like if you're going on 27th South towards the landfill, you've noticed a bunch of development happening to the east there. Um, that There's two tracks of land there that are developing. The first track is the one that's closer to um, 27th. Um, that whole area generally is referred to as the Stevens Ranch area. We can The, the parcels have slightly different terms that people use. Um, but there's a lot of development that's going to happen there, a mix of of, of industrial and and residential and um i thought brian do you want to talk a little bit more about a little more detail on it sure um so the stevens ranch project that's the one that you're seeing where they're currently moving dirt and doing some development there um, that's already inside city limits it's um, one of our 10 expansion areas that mike had mentioned that came into the city's um, urban growth boundary back in 2016 and so um what's planned there is about 1700 units there's a mix of commercial land mostly along 27th will be some commercial land some retail um, some businesses and then housing and some industrial land as well um brian is that 1700 that's housing units. seven 1700 housing units so it's a mix of single family some townhomes um, middle housing and then some apartments and multifamily housing as well and that um that parcel is about 375 acres so it's a it's a decent size yeah and the thing that i find really interesting is that it's going to be you said it'll include retail industrial uh housing at all levels and what i remember as i listened to that wonderful wonderful extensive work uh taping that you all have Mm -hmm. to go through. I have such good respect for city councilors (laughs) and people who work for the city. I mean, my... My amazement as I listened was, wow, you guys have to do a lot. So back to my question, um, the goal is to reduce the amount of driving, part, part, in part, right? Right. So the idea is to have more complete communities. Yeah. So um, there's beyond Stevens Ranch, what I just mentioned, there's Stevens Road Track. What Mike was saying, there's actually two master plans out there. So this one is an additional um, complete community that's a little bit unique. Um, the state 
passed some legislation a few years ago that allowed Ben to kind of go through this more expedited process. And the whole idea would, is that it would be a very complete community so that it would have jobs, people could live, you know, work, play, all in that area without having to rely too heavily on a car. Um, and that one I'm happy to go into a little bit more. Um, it's a really interesting project. Yeah, and there's a lot of affordable housing that was built into that, which was one of the key pieces of that piece of legislation. So there's about 700 of the housing units that are going to be out there that will be designated um, affordable. And um, I think generally that means they're about, you know, pr- probably um, 120% of AMI or area median income or lower. And it may even be a, a lower threshold than that. I don't remember yeah, that this specific. Yeah, one, this one's even lower. So that was part of it. If they were to come in... Um, in order to bring them into the UGB, they had to provide um, 700 or more affordable units, and it was actually 80% yeah. or less of AMI, which is about $72,000 right now. Yeah. You know, affordable housing, how do you regulate that? I mean, imagine the first people who buy the houses, uh, is there some criteria, and then they buy the houses at, say, 300000 Can they then sell them at, at a profit? How do you make sure that the builders are keeping it affordable? So these ones, they'll actually be a requirement that they'll be deed restricted. So it'll be with the deed. So you won't be able to actually, if someone buys it, it'll run with the land and they'll actually have to maintain it at a certain price point. Is there a, is there a percentage? It's, it's at that 80% AMI. Okay. Yeah, And, and many of them, um, there's a good chance that many of them will actually be rental units as well. So that's one of the ways that that gets controlled. So there's some... Um, How's it there's affordability or income criteria that are required in order to access a piece of property, you know, to live in a place like that. You're not going to be able to come if you have an income above those kind of thresholds. And it's that deed restriction. And there's usually a time limit where eventually that deed restriction will will go away, but they're, you know, 20 plus years or longer. Sometimes they're much longer than that. And I know in September, we're going to be talking more about affordability in, yeah. in Bend. So um, so all of you listening right now, think about your questions and send them in. And, and certainly part of, the, part of the challenge, I mean, um, you know, there's both demand and supply, right? And so supply, broadly speaking, across the country, we've been under building housing. Oregon is one of the, the states that's got one of the larger um, numbers of underbuilt that we, we haven't, we, we've not supplied enough housing. So that's certainly influencing the price. I think here in Bend, the other part of it, though, is the demand is very high here. As, you, as we all know, we were Zoom, we've been a Zoom town, right, during the pandemic and stuff. And, and a lot of people coming in with cash to make offers on homes here. So it, it just really driving up the prices. Demand's very high. And I don't know that that's going to go away anytime soon. So that whole challenge of how do we, how do we walk that um, that dance? I mean, I have experience as an employer here where it's harder and harder to keep either attract people or keep people because housing costs are so high. And that's also, and, and I work for a nonprofit. We, you know, we pay. We're trying to pay a lot better, but at the city where they're still paying pretty competitive wages, even there, it's hard to attract employees and and or retain them over time because it's so it's so expensive. So it's a it's a real issue. But supply is part of it. We do need to build more housing. That's kind of partly what we're talking about today is the supply end of things. Supply and um, I would say providing more housing choices. So yeah, that's a big right. thing that we work on is just making sure that w- there's a variety of housing types. Um, in these expansion areas, we actually have policies that require different types of housing so that someone can't just come and build, you know, all single family at a certain price point. There's a required mix that you would provide apartments or, you know, multifamily or middle housing, which townhomes or um, cottage developments, those types of things, those tend to be a little bit more affordable than the traditional kind of standalone single family. And are those in, those are in place now? 
those policies are in place. So mm-hmm. when we expand our urban growth boundary, we adopt specific policies for all of our expansion areas that are pretty um, close. They are very closely monitored. So when someone wants to come in with a development, we require that they meet at least those minimums. So. And, that, and that was a big shift in the urban growth boundary work that was done and approved back in 2016 was to say, um, we're trying to move away from a very high percentage of single family residential homes to over time having that percentage of our housing mix get smaller and the other types of multifamily, whether that's a duplex, a triplex, a quadplex, a, you know, apartments, um, townhomes, having those parts of the housing mix become a bigger percentage so that we do have a lot more choice for people. Um, that was uh, somewhat controversial. It's very different for Bend. We didn't have then as much experience amongst the builders and developer community building that kind of housing here. So, so it's new for us. And that really is starting to shift. There's been a lot more of that stuff either built or in the pipeline to be built. So the shift is, is really starting to happen. And I know last time you were here, we talked about, you know, people are saying, oh, there's so much open space outside. And you explained the UGB, the urban growth boundaries, and also also the requirements that need to be submitted to the state for them to approve an expansion right, right. and that that's fascinating and so we are going up i mean the yeah. goal is to go up rather than spread out like la or something yeah and that was kind of getting at the second example um, that we wanted to talk about with some development kind of in the core so tell us what's yeah. happening here i mean that's one of the other areas that was targeted for growth sort of one of the things that came from the last UGB expansion project was initially the city tried to expand about 8,000 acres and the state has um, ultimately said after many other people said the same thing that's way too many you have a lot more um, infill and redevelopment you could do inside your existing urban growth boundary so I'll let you expand but not by so much and so there's also been a big focus on how do we do more infill development and so the area around Colorado or, yeah, Colorado and, and Arizona just to the south of there the old core pine area there's a lot happening there Right now, that's another place where you're starting to see cranes, for example. I just saw them the other day now. Um, And so we wanted to talk a little bit more about the details of that. Sure. So that area was called Corpine in our 2016 UGB expansion. We looked kind of specifically at some areas that we call opportunity areas for this infill um, and more kind of intense development. And right now you're seeing um, at that old Spoken Moto site, there's a new um, mixed-use building coming in. It's a seven-story mixed-use um, building with ground floor commercial, has over 300 multifamily units. Um, it'll be, it should be a really interesting project, kind of a new type of project for Bend. And then it kind of past there, if you can see when you're driving on Arizona, you're starting to see a lot of movement, um, a lot of dirt starting to move around yeah. at... Um, what we call core pine, but now it's um, it's a developer or a development called timber yards. So you'll probably start to hear that more and more. That's a, a master plan that was approved, um, and should it's it's about a 32 acre infill site. So it it's been vacant now for a few years, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's planned to have 1,600 units, a hotel, some commercial. Um, it should be a, a pretty neat project. And it's also multi-story. All those buildings, the buildings in there are all going to be, you know, five to seven stories and apartments, condos, that kind of stuff. Wow. It, uh, that's that's pretty high for Bend, yep. you yep. know, driving. I mean, is there any objection to that? I mean, it seems like we you know, five-story would yeah. be like the limit that I would feel comfortable with. We had no, <laughs> we had no opposition that I recall at the hearing mm. for timber yards in particular. Uh, not that people aren't concerned about height. Um, but it is one of the ways that we can provide more um, 
housing types, right, and how we can not sprawl and still meet the need that, uh, for future growth, but also the, of the underproduction of housing units that I was talking about that's, that's happened that we have to deal with in the community. And that undersupply is, as I said, part of what gets to the, um, the higher prices here. It's not the only reason. Demand's a big part of it, right? So how do we get a mix of housing types? Um, and, that, and that's what we're going to see more of. Right, and we already have a few examples of <coughs> yeah. that type of building in town, and we'll probably start to see there's a handful that are under construction, too, over in the um, central west side over by OSU Cascade. So we have the Hickson um, on 14th and the Eddy kind of by the, the play wave um, by the river. So there, we're, we'll likely, yeah. um, or we will see more and more of that type of development. There's, a, there's quite a bit in the development pipeline right now. Is there a cap on the height? Um, yeah, the very zones I do think have some limits, and then depending on um, some of the things that developers might agree to do, in some places they may be able to get a bonus of some kind and go a little bit higher, especially around affordability, and those are some of the kinds of things we can look at as a city council. Um, but I yeah, we do have to... we do have height restrictions yeah. in um, in all of our zones. Those um, those mixed use zones, those opportunity areas, which quite a few of the opportunity areas are mixed use zones. Um, I believe it's 65 feet, and then there's some bonuses if you do affordable housing and some other types of um, some other types of bonuses. So they can get a little bit higher and produce more units, and that's sort of how a developer would be able to make a project what people call pencil, meaning that it works financially to do those affordable units because they can generate less income off of them. So they can get a few more units if they do deed restricted. Um, affordable housing, they can we, we give them a little bit more credit. So it's a way to incentivize that to make that a part of the actual um, development. Are you struggling with nimbyism? Is there anybody who's saying not in my backyard here? I I haven't seen it much um, in those areas. You know, we did so much planning for this. Yeah, you know, this is a long time coming. So this mm -hmm. is now it's finally coming to fruition. But this was years of planning prior to 2016 where we were determining what those heights were and what these would look like. It went through an extensive public engagement process, you know, thousands of meetings really yeah, with, mm -hmm. between all of the technical advisory committees and the public and the council meetings. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think there was a lot of um, community input at that time, but you know, that's something that, I, that happens. And, and we have <laughs> seen some, the, I think the development there that's uh, above the river by the, the Colorado river crossing above the, the parks there and the play wave and stuff. Um, there was uh, quite a bit of people, number of people who were upset about the heights there and concerned it was going to cast shadows all over the river. And, and um, you know, I mean, it, it's an interesting challenge with NIMBYism. There's something valuable, very valuable, people wanting to protect their backyard, right? Because that's how we look out for things. We don't want bad things to happen where we live, but it can go too far. And it, I think, um, you know, we're no change at all. And I, I do think that the vertical height stuff that's going to happen in some respects maybe some of the biggest changes we're going to experience as a community it's mm -hmm. going to make the community is going to be very different look parts of it it's not going to be everywhere right we are going to concentrate that in these kind of core areas i think we'll probably see some height stuff in some of the expansion areas that are these complete community ideas 
But um, so it won't be everywhere, but it is going to be allowed in certain places. Another one of the opportunity areas that Brianne mentioned was over there by OSU Cascades. So we're seeing it, some of that happen there as well. Um, but it is it is a significant change for sure, and I think we're something we're all going to have to deal with. You know, and those of us who've been here longer, it's going to be harder. People who are coming from cities where they're more used to that, it's not as big a change. And we have more and more people like that, right? I was at an event last night, a different topic, and more than half of the people who raised their hands have been here for five years or less. Wow. Now, one of the things that is required by the state, and I know the state has a lot to do with how you move forward. In fact, one of the themes that I heard often in that uh, uh, re- that meeting that you had, the exploratory meeting, is that uh, you still have to wait until next year for the state to come out with some regulations. But one of the regulations in the urban core is the idea of climate-friendly areas. What's that about? Sure. Um, so climate-friendly areas came out of what you'll hear sometimes referred to as CFEC, so it's climate-friendly and equitable communities rules. So that was some rulemaking that was done by the state. Um, One of the components of that is a climate-friendly area. So there's a requirement that the city designate a climate-friendly area or areas um, in the city that, and the idea really is that it's going to, it's a more complete community where people can walk and don't have, and or ride their bike and don't have to rely on a car to be able to get around. So kind of a more rich, vibrant, mixed-use um, community. So the state is rec- has some pretty specific requirements of where that can be and how it's sized. Right now, the city is doing a um, pretty comprehensive study to look at where that might be. Um, this is generally, we've identified areas that are generally already um, commercial or have some some density to them. Um, so it's you're not going to see these, you know, in, in low-density residential neighborhoods. And, you know, I would say with the city, we're really well positioned for this because of all the work we did in 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, the regulations are very similar to our what's already allowed in Bend Central District, in the Core Pine area, that timber yards area I was talking about, um, Central West Side. It's it really doesn't the rules don't deviate much from those requirements. And I, I think that's that's we're, we're a little bit unique. I think in the state, and that that my work we did in 2016 set us up well for these climate friendly friendly areas. And I, I think we will end up seeing that the, somewhere along the lines of the Bend Central District, and possibly over by OSU Cascades, are likely to be at the top of the list. Certainly, the Central District for where where we designate. We have to provide about. In theory, about 30% of our housing units have to be in those areas. So they're going to be much more dense. There will be height. And as we talked about, all that's already starting to happen. We haven't seen a lot of new development yet in the Central District, but there is stuff in the pipeline. And that stuff is going to be vertical. Um, So, um, And that's going to start to happen pretty quick here, I think, especially with this money we got for the Midtown Crossing. So. Wow, there's a lot going on. Lot going so on, yeah, yeah I'm, we're so happy that we're going to have you on the point talking about all yeah. of this. So thank you for coming on, Mike Riley, the city and uh, city councilor and the city planner, Brianne Gale. We look forward to next month's conversation, the third Friday in September, about housing and space affordability. We'll get into that. So definitely giving you something to talk about. Uh, don't forget to tune in. Thank you for listening to KPOV's Critical Conversations podcast. To hear weekly interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations and follow KPOV High Desert Community Radio on Facebook, YouTube, and your favorite podcast app.